Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews, discussions, we share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and investors that are pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, we have the opportunity of bringing Chris Oriana, one of my close, close friends, who we've been traveling together, I would say, for the last four years, just connecting and sharing our journeys together. This is a man who has come so far, so fast, and just has such a great, unique perspective. So we are super excited, Chris, to get your story, not only on the real estate agent side, but on the investing side as well. And we're not going to waste any time here, so we're going to dive right in. The first question we're going to start off with today is what is the craziest real estate transaction or process that you've been through yet to date? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for the, um, the invitation here. Happy to be here. Um, first, craziest transaction. Um, you know, the first one that comes to mind is, you know, I just basically, because usually like I work with a lot of my buyers is typically like home buyers, first time home buyers, right? Or, you know, but for the, you know, I started getting into distressed in 2019 and, you know, I, I was on the phone and I called this lady, his name's Carolina. She has a property here in the Valley, you know, she, and then she's losing the house. Like it's going to auction in three days. Right. So it's like, talk to her Thursday, like at eight o'clock at night, she ghosts me on Friday, doesn't talk to me. We finally connect Sunday and like the fall, like, you know, and this is like in the evening Sunday and like Monday morning at like 9 a.m. is going to go to auction, right? And it had, she had almost like, I think like sixty seventy thousand dollars $70,000 of equity, you know? So it's like, you know, you have all that pressure to come through at that particular moment or this lady is going to lose her house. And, you know, she's, you're the one who contacted her at that specific moment. So it's like, you have to come through. So, you know, I actually reached into my network, you know, we actually, she ended up filing, uh, delaying the actual action auction, uh, going through a bankruptcy to postpone the sale. Then it, we end up stopping the actual auction. We make sure that everything gets done on time. The, the trustee didn't foreclose and we postponed the sale. That was just the beginning of it. That was like stopping the sale. Like that was just to the point, like it hasn't even started yet. Right. You're under the gun. Yeah. T talk to us yeah. a little about that. Cause I mean, some, some people that are watching, you know, maybe don't have the exposure to pre foreclosure, foreclosure auctions, kind of give us some of the steps that had to happen for that sale to be postponed. So, you know, well, banks, so a little bit of just to kind of have the, the public know, like typically how it works is like, let's just say somebody falls behind. There's a time process that the state has to follow. And when a homeowner is behind, they need all that money current. So if you fall behind two or three payments, they expect that all to be paid current, right? In order for you to get out of default. But like if a, if a homeowner missed one payment and let's say that money's gone and they're on like a specific type of income source, they're not gonna have typically the rest. So it just kind of keeps on gradually increasing and increasing and increasing. So, you know, by the time it comes due, now they have all these late fees, interest fees, attorney fees, all these fees on top of the basic norm. So when, when in order to postpone a sale, you have two options. You can either one, bring it current before the sale date, right? Uh, two is you can go ahead and see if you can file for, you know, a loan modification or a short sale, depending on when you're at. And the third one would be is 
filing an actual uh, a bankruptcy to make installments. You know, you make installments back to it. Those are like the three, you know, basically most common. But in in but the whole thing, the bankruptcy has to be filed and it has to be submitted to the trustee. The attorney has to process it. So it's it's not just you know, and they have to be okay with the payments in the meantime. So it's a lot of process and getting this work. You know, attorneys after work hours done over the weekend, right before the end of the cutoff time. You know, there's a lot that has to happen, and, and the attorney that we worked with came through. So it was definitely, you know, it was a team effort on getting everything done. Um, so that's when when you to postpone a sale, and you know, that's basically the gist of it. Okay, so you postpone the sale. Take us right. into the next part. So um, from after you postpone the sale, now it's okay. We have to make, she has to make installments on the process, uh, on the payments, on the what's due. But now it's basically selling the property, right? So she, she, wants, she wanted to relocate. She couldn't afford it long term. She didn't want to stay in it. So we show up to the house, right? And, you know, like, like I was telling you earlier, Tim, it's like, you know, home buyers are like happy, you know what I mean? Like, like, congratulations, you know, in that sense. And I show up to the house and the house is on generators. Like, there's like, literally like cables coming off from the house. And there's like one generator running off gas, right, rolling through all the engines. There's like stuff everywhere. There's like, you know, there's like, you know, debris, you know, there's like cables going through each part of the house. So it was so bad that there was no electricity, right, going to the house. It was running off a generator. And then, you know, like, obviously, the house isn't in good condition. So, you know, it's like now it comes back to, like, well, you have this problem solved. Like, how do you solve this problem? How do you make it happen so then you can sell the house? And because of what she owed compared to what was left behind and all the whole situation with the bank needed. So we ended up basically uh, paying all the past due. Like, we, we came through, we basically paid all of what was past due to being the utilities current, which was like $7,000. And then we ended up getting the property cleaned up, getting it so it's presentable. And um, because banks, when you when a, when a home buyer goes to buy it, it needs to be financeable and they have to do their inspections. So you need all the utilities to be on. So we, we got that turned on, we got it cleaned up, we got a crew out there, cleaned it up. And uh, we did like a kind of like a clean through to the house to make sure it presents its best with its current, you know, wh whatever it has right now. And um, we ended up, you know, we had to walk through the seller because it's also the emotional side too, right? So it's like the seller is like in a really bad place and you're going to have to coach them through it. Like, you know, like walk them through like, hey, it's going to be okay. Reassure them that you're on, you know, it's on track and you also have to deliver. So after that, you know, we ended up uh, selling it at, at market price. And, you know, everybody was went off their own separate way. She actually, we took care of all of her debts with, that was involved with the property. Uh, the bank got paid off and the property sold. But that was by far because of the short amount of time constraint that it was going to go to auction. Mixed with the stress of the foreclosure was basically the craziest transaction I've seen. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. What, was your, what was your thought feeling when you show up there and it's on generators, man? Like, that's wild. I was like... I was like, man, it is getting, it, it was, it was like, okay, it's getting a little hairy here. Like you can see the distress, you know, you know, it was definitely one of those. It was, it was pretty, pretty gnarly. Um, so let's talk about the pressure. You brought up pressure three or four times. 
So like, how do you mm-hmm. manage the pressure when you're in a situation where you have to deliver? Like you said, you, you put your word out right. there. I'm going to get this done for you. But then the pressure mm-hmm. comes up at you. Like, how do you absorb that pressure and utilize it in a way that's beneficial to you? You know what? I, I've always came from like sports. Like I, I've always been like, what's one of the things that I've always been competitive? Like growing up, I played basketball, played sports, you know, and you, you just when you get the ball, like you go for it, you know, like you just kind of you, you don't, you know, I, I was like, I'll pass the ball, but I always like to take the shot here and there. Like I'll pass the ball here and there, but I always like to take the shot. And I think it just comes from like the inner drive, like you got to go ahead and go for it. Right. And I think, you know, um, when somebody else's livelihood is on the line, it's like that extra layer of like, it's not an, failure is not an option. Like you got to make this happen. If you said it's going to happen, it has to happen. So that's the kind of the framework when you're in that, it's, that comes to mind naturally for me. It's like, it has to happen. Like there's no, there's no failure. You need to make it happen. You know, um, totally. Cl- closers it, want the ball when the game's on the line. Yeah. You got to get the ball. Yeah. You got to have the ball. Yeah. You got to have the ball. Pass me the ball. Pass me the ball. No. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, uh, yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, especially when I got to meet her, she shared her story, you know, that she was going through like some family health issues and you just see it and it really impacts you. So you got to make the shot. You got to make it happen. Dang. And I'm assuming as a result of that, essentially, she got a far different outcome than she would have gotten otherwise. Oh, correct. Like she was if if she would have went like investors would have she would have left with nothing like she would have had, you know, foreclosure in her record. The bank would have taken over or, you know, it would have been, it would have been terrible. So as we get into your career a little bit, has there ever been a point where you kind of thought about packing it up or what or to rephrase that, uh, what would you consider mm-hmm. the darkest period of your career? Um, man. Okay. You guys know how to, how to pick them. Okay. Um, the darkest, you know, by far for me, you know, I guess in order for me to answer that, I got to go back. Right. I got to go back and, you know, so, cause in order, you won't understand if I don't go back. And so, you know, when I got into the business, you know, well, first and foremost, I come from, I used to be a technician. I was, I, my, we had a logistics business, family business, trucking. And, um, naturally I gravitated to the make, I grew up working on cars. So I, I grew up and I went to, uh, the trade school in Arizona. I learned the trade of like diesel technician, you know, the fa- match with the family business of logistics. So, naturally grew up in that and then you know ended up getting hurt so i decided like hey i couldn't go back and i had a um introduce into the business you know uh i was in a relationship and she was in real estate so she i saw her like crushing it and i was like she's crushing it like it seemed like the natural way to get you know like hey well i'm, I'm coming out of this situation i can go there but um why it was the darkest. So like, but growing before that, like circling back to, you know, the original like trade and businesses, like, you know, the business after 2008 recession, the business didn't do logistics, didn't do well. We went through, like, we ended up losing a house to foreclosure. 
you know, and it was like, our, our, so where we grew up, we lost it. So it was like the turmoil of not having enough money and not being like well off as a family was like engraved in me. So seeing what happened, you know, like losing the house to foreclosure, the business going under, family getting a divorce, you know, and then now all your pressures on me, like to kind of help the family sustain and, and take care of the family when there's needs and then also be the support system you know, emotionally and financially, it was like this pressure that just like pressure, like builds diamonds, you know? So going back to like carrying that through me, like what we talked about, like what's the darkest moments. So, you know, like when my mom, I had, a, unfortunately my mom passed away, uh, basically almost two years of me being into the business, a year and a half of me being into the business. Uh, and it was like full time. It wasn't no longer like an assistant or just part time like basically a year and a half into me being full time, my mom passed away and I was just getting momentum to like, it was like, you know, I had just got an award and I remember I was like in a brand new suit. We just bought it going to an award. And I remember thinking like, before it's even happened, like, this is awesome. Like seeing you're at the peak, you know, you just got an award, you brand new suit, you know, and then it's like month and a half, two months later, like I find out that my mom passed away. She passed away unexpectedly. Like she was here, like talk to her on the phone and then tomorrow she's gone. And, you know, my mom was always like, the, like when I got into real estate and I told her like the career change and we were going through all the, you know, uh, the hardship together, you know, it was like, it was, she was there for me. So she supported me. She in every way possible. And, you know, so when she was gone, it was like, you have a three-legged stool and that one stool just, you know, the chair broke off. So you talk about like, you know, imagine you're in a situation where, you know, like you're, you're here to help other people, right? And through the business of real estate, serving others and the community. But when you're going through your dark moments, you're like, dude, I need, you know what I mean? You're like trying to keep it together. So when, when she passed, you know, I had a, take a pause from the business because, you know, I had to handle the affairs, you know, so it completely separates you. So I close, you know, I, I, I was really transparent with my, my, my clients at the time, like, Hey, here's what's happening. You know, I did, I came through on everything that was going on at the moment. And then I took a pause to kind of like regroup because it was such like a impactful thing to in my life that it was like really dark. And then, um, you have to just, I just reflected, you know, it was like a series for me. It was a series of situations. Um, I had to kind of do a reflection of like, well, what's the, what did you start for? Like, what was the reason why you began? You know, like you can't just give up. You had to like, just like your own self-talk. And it's one of those things where you have to just keep it real with yourself because that's a place where nobody else's advice or nothing else can do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. When you're going through the situations, nobody can do it for you. No, no, like external substance or anything like that. You know, like, you know, some people would refrain and like cope it with doing like, you know, you'll start drinking, you'll start eating, you'll start doing unhealthy habits or whatever. None of that would help alleviate that. It's something that maybe help you in the short term, but it's never going to solve it. And I had to just get real with myself and spend time alone you know, I, I would just do my best to reflect. And I ultimately had to kind of come to the realization that it's all about legacy. You know, like we're all here one day, 
you know, we're all here one day and we're gone, right? And making the most of carrying on that legacy and, and living through your actions to, to basically, uh, and carrying on the legacy forward after somebody passes. So, yeah, it was, it was that, that was one of the, the darkest moments, you know, that I've had in, in the business. Yeah. And, and just, it sounds like, you know, you had, you were in the family business, you were a mechanic, you know, you recognize you can't do this anymore. So you start building, right? You take the path, you start getting momentum and then all of a sudden, boom, right? A huge setback. Mm -hmm. And I love how you, you mentioned legacy. Like obviously that was a mental hack that you did. That's tremendous, right? To, to leverage the pain that you felt, the grief you felt to set a purpose, set an intention. What, what, tell us a little bit more about maybe that, that battle, like, was it a book that you read? I mean, how'd you even know to set that intention? Like, what was it that set you in that direction? So, you know, because when you, when it's really through reflection, you know, it's really through time alone. It's really through thinking without distractions. It's really just, you know, there is no, because, you know, what motivates one person won't motivate another or what it, it's intrinsic, you know, and, and to deal with stuff day in and day out, day in and day out, it comes from your experiences and it comes from what motivates you, right? What motivates the person? So it's a combination. I would say it's a combination of my environment, like what I experienced in the past, right? You know, if I give up now, it's all like, I looked at it like if whenever you give up, you know, it's like, you're not only quitting on yourself, you're quitting on everybody, right? Because there's people counting on you directly and indirectly. You're not only quitting on yourself, you know, and I think there's a difference between pivot and quitting, right? If you pivot to something better, it's always, you know, there's always a, you know, you're not going to beat yourself against that horse, but when you're quitting, cause you quit, you're quitting on yourself and you're quitting on everybody that's counting on you directly and indirectly, you know, cause there's people that are watching and they don't even say that they're watching, but they are watching, you know, and, or they're counting on you, because they know where you came from or they want to see that, you know, or they're the inspiration of your story or what you've been through. You know, they're like, dude, this guy, you know, like, I didn't know that, you know, they can relate to what you're going through because everybody's going to have, a, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when you're always going to have those challenges come up. Right. And it's not what, and it, you know, I guess even further, it's like, I came across stoicism. I guess you know as a as a theory of, of belief system, like you're a stoic, you 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 know, you focus on what you can control, you know, and and that's what keeps you going. Like as long as you don't quit, you know, you'll you'll persevere, and you you have to have those self talks. Incredible, man! I'm so yeah. glad you took on that perspective. Yeah, powerful stuff there. Um, so I want to kind of dial back a little bit because you mentioned self reflection several times. And you've mentioned how you've kind of built an ironclad mindset. I mean, it sounds like your mindset is really the driving factor. So like what specific mm -hmm. strategies do you use? Do you take walks? Is there meditation or, or what is your way to reflect and to, you know, have that bulletproof mindset? Um, you know, and I, I think it's not one, one of the things that I really like with, you know, circling back to like, focusing on what you don't want is a good way of putting it. You know what I mean? Like it's the easiest way to put it. And 
I don't want to be like, I don't want my family to experience what they've already experienced in the past. And I don't want to experience it. So I operate from like, you know, if this is this going to get me closer to solving that, you know, and is this going to get me closer to, you know, alleviating what could happen or preventing that from happening, right? And is this the quickest way of doing it too at the same time, you know? And there's a lot of other metrics that go along with it, you know, like is it sustainable? You know, is it can, does it alleviate? Does it correlate with my values and all that? But in simplest form, is this getting me closer to my goals? And and then taking the most straight line to getting to that, you know, to alleviate and getting that goal and hitting it. Yeah, tremendous. Let's talk a little bit about goals. So what goals would you say that you've had in your life and business that have served you well? And what goals haven't served you as well? You know what? I remember I used to think um, what serves me and what hasn't served me. So it's really interesting. Like we talk about, we're like real estate's a really competitive environment, right? It's kind of like you show, it's a little bit of like showboating and you're like, you know, like, hey, look at me, right? And I get it. And I think it, you have, there's a sense of promotion, which is fair. I mean, we have to do that. But what's interesting is like when you're here, right? And then you're trying to come up and you see the guy who's like, you think that this guy has made it. You're like, dude, this dude right here has made it. Like, wow, you look at like glorify them, right? But then you like, you realize like, so then you start, you start copying what they're doing and, and, and mimicking in order to become successful because you feel like that's the way you're gonna become successful. And then over time, and I think that ser it, it served me well because I try to mimic success, right? And I try to copy what works. And I think there's definitely some value in that. However, I didn't know, what I didn't know was everybody has different strengths and weaknesses, right? Intrinsically, like you're, you're good at something and you're not good at other things, right? And for me, copying other people in an effort to become successful is good because I want to learn. But at the same time, it, it all was like, it's a matter of timing. It was a matter of strengths and weaknesses that I didn't have the self-awareness that in the beginning that I do now. So, you know, I think I would take that back, you know, and maybe if I were to go back, I'd be like, hey, you know what? I'd gather a group of advisors who I trust, you know, can give me strengths and weaknesses, uh, you know, advice in the areas that I am weak, right? And then I would, you know, either partner or delegate it out to staff or in areas that can uh, offset my weaknesses on a day-to-day -day as well. So one from advice, one from day-to-day -to, -day to make sure that you execute, which is really interesting. Um, so that was one of the things that I takeaways that I got. That's cool, man. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned finding your identity and identifying your strengths and weaknesses correctly. Um, mm -hmm. How were you able to do that over time? Is it something that was there a light bulb one day where you just kind of figured it out? Or was it more of a uh, elongated stretch where you just kind of slowly realized who you truly are? Man, I wish I wish I had like this like glorious answer of like the, some sort of system, you know, and it's just like, oh, here it is. And I was like, dude, I just bulldozed through it in the beginning. I just I just literally bulldozed like, oh, I suck at that. OK, well, that was, you know, that was a bad idea or, you know. Um, I don't think that that was the right way to go about it. Maybe, maybe I could have done a little more strategic, but 
you know, I just kind of went for it. And I think um, it's more of, I think if I were to circle back to that, it was more of like having the, the guidance and mentors and, and, and just around you. I think it would have been the best thing paying for it more or, or, or being, you know, mastermind just to kind of offset it. You don't have to bulldoze through it. Like it, you don't have to do that, you know? So it's like, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be the, be the student. It's okay. Invest in yourself as much as you can, you know, you don't have to do it that way. And I think I definitely, you know, um, invested in my education and personal development, but I would have done more and I would have basically taken, taken a, a more of a, and implementing not only, not only like learning it and consuming it, right. But implementing it and getting the proper uh, support system through mentors and advisors around you faster. So. Totally. Along those lines, like what would you say like has been your most important either mentor in your life or the most important thing a mentor has taught you? Ooh, okay. So I, I've had in my journey, you know, I've had a lot of uh, people in my life that, you know, have learned something from. You learn something from everybody that I've come across, what to do, what not to do. You know, like, because you learn through their story. Um, and I've had, you know, like, one of my mentors, like, that was really impactful during this time was Joshua Smith. Joshua Smith, you know, I came across his course on uh, on YouTube. His, And that's actually how we all, I think we all got acquainted. So shout out to Joshua Smith. You know, like, his class and his course, it was like, not only did it teach me the fundamentals of business, like the basics, and it also taught me, like, the advanced strategies on, like, once you're operating and how to operate from a business, but, and, and also a roadmap for real estate. But I learned a lot from like all the leadership classes, the business that correlates with all that. So shout outs to him. Um, and on top of that, it would be a series of people that I, you know, that I've met through like, man, I, I, you know, you've, you've guided me, you shared your story and your wisdom as well. I consider you a mentor in that. Thank you for that. Throughout my years, we, you, I've expressed my situations and you've gladly helped me and thank you for that. Um, there's people at my brokerage that I've operated that have during the day to day that I've gotten, uh, you know, assistance, like during a transaction, asking for help um, that I'm also grateful for. And, and um, so people just the relationships that you cultivate uh, through your day to day and, and resources have also been super helpful online, you know, so. It's been really good. Love that. Yeah, that's great, man. So let's um kind of dial it back a little bit. Like, what were your ex expectations of real estate like, and then what was the reality after you had those expectations? What was the difference? Um, you know what? In the beginning, you know, when I got into real estate, I guess I I kind of felt like you were just like, all right, well, you guys going to sell these houses, you know, like, oh, let me just sell these, you know, you just pull them out of your back pocket and you're like, yeah, I got this house for sale. Yeah. You know, it's like, here we go. Right. And, um, I, over time you realize it's like, I learned it's, it's an actual business. It's a service-based business, right. You know, you're involved, it's local to the community. It's, it's involved. You have to be up to, up to be with a lot of, you know, information, the financial markets, at least awareness to it, you know, global events, interest rates, 
you know, supply and demand, you know, the age of the buildings that you're selling. So my ex, that's after, but in the beginning I was like, okay, well, I think I was just going to like, literally like just show up and people would call me and like, just have customers out of nowhere. Like, like kind of like the show is like, you know, you just, let me just negotiate yeah. this deal real quick. Hold on a second. Let me just get on the phone. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got a $20,000 check, but no, no, it wasn't like that. It's not like that. Totally. And so obviously it required a lot more. Correct. And what were the things that you found yourself having to learn or do in order to make it, make it rain as we would say? Yeah. So I think, you know, because we have the freedom as real estate professionals to make your own schedule. Right. But we have to make sure that we stick to a schedule, be disciplined, show up every day, be consistent on your daily activities. Also like you have to learn sales. Like, those who basically, you can't be in a sales job without being in sales, you know, because you have to sell them on a service. You have to sell them on you. They have to be able to trust you. They have to be able to negotiate with the other party. You know, you have to be resourceful. When you don't know something, you have to have the ability to find an answer, right? Like there's no, there's no like, it's not a handout. You have to be resourceful and it's a combination of that. You also have to be good at marketing to some degree, right? Like presenting a property marketing the property to the community you have to know how to look at it from the eyes of the consumer like what are they looking for presentation so combination of all those skill sets love it love it and that's obviously what you sought when you sought the mentor right was that ability to to learn how to sell learn how to market correct correct and and and, and shorten the learning curve so you know it's it's a million times better to learn from other people's experiences and, you know, and, and gaining that through mentorship and then and, and also the investment in your education. So you don't have to learn the trial and error. It's just it's better to shortcut that, you know. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So let's kind of jump into you mentioned your weaknesses and strengths before. Um, mm-hmm. So what do you think are your biggest weaknesses and what challenges did you have to overcome as a result of those? You know, um, one of the things that, like, we're, we're, we can be good at sales negotiation, right? You can be good at marketing. However, you have the administrative side where you have to have it, you know, like if you tell your client, hey, I'll email you by 6 o'clock, you have to make sure it's in his inbox by 6 o'clock, right, the day-to-day. So it's like, thank God for the team and staff in place, you know, to help us with that. Because it would be a lot more stressful if that wasn't in place, you know, and I had to learn to rely on others. Like I have my role. I, I, I clearly stay in my lane. Like this is what I do. And then I focus. I let them do what they do. And I don't try to get in there. It's not my lane. You know, like I trust your judgment. I, I, I empower them to, for them to basically take the driver's seat. You figure out the best way. You know, if you want to bounce ideas, that's fine. But I trust your judgment, you know. Yeah, and that's hard too because you're trusting people with your clients, right? You're trusting them for them to deliver, and your name's on the line. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right, right. And I and, and I think um, it's more of like allowing that to happen, and, and, and like going back to focusing on what you can control, and that is a certain. Setup. Well, I mean, the whole point too, right? Of of once you do that. The, the, the other side of that is freedom. The, the, right. the freedom that you get once you're no longer having to do the things that, you know, maybe aren't, 
in your wheelhouse or or at least it frees you up to do higher value things. Correct. So let's let's take you into what are you up to these days? Like what is the vision for Chris Oriana next 12 months? Awesome. Um, so we, you know, I've been in as a real estate agent for man, at my anniversary date, my my real estate, you know, it's it's coming by. It's actually 2016. It's funny. Um, I originally started in 2013, right? But I was like part time going to school. I was like assisting brokerages, more of like an assistant, kind of like part time agent. And then, you know, 15, 16 is when I basically became full time. So it's been like six years, and I and I and I learned so much real estate you know, from the agent side, the relationship side, client side, and I'm grateful. But one of the things that I realized is like, as real estate agents, we don't have a retirement plan. You know, there is no retirement plan. I have to wake up, sell, you know, basically pay Uncle Sam, and then I have to wake up the next day and sell and do some more. So, you know, now like the journey has kind of been 80-20, right? Eventually we'll graduate 70-30, where we're launching, we're putting that retirement plan in place, right? Where you have the out-of-state investments, where you do, you know, rental property or acquisition of rental property and fix and flip combination of that and uh, graduating more to set that foundation on not only for myself and my family, but anybody who wants to basically joint venture and be a part of, and we're going to provide that opportunity. So, they're not only if they want to get into it, they're not going to have to learn the hard way. We provide those opportunities and at the same time create that foundation for the retirement plan long term. So that's in the works. It's going to be a combination of multifamily and commercial properties uh, developments. So great stuff. Incredible, man. Yeah, it just gives, gives such a great path to freedom retirement. Yeah, I mean, we, we have to, we've got to establish that. We've got to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of that, Chris, what does financial freedom look like to you? Ooh. <sighs> I, on one, I have like two sides of my brain, you know. One side of my brain is like, it's like, oh, we get, you know, you can just go buy a Ferrari and you have the mansion, you know, and you have all the toys, right? But then I have the other side of my brain. It's like, this is like the seven part of me is like, I want to be able to, you know, one week I'm in Dubai and then I'm like, I'm in Miami and then I'm in Vegas. Like, so it's split, you know, but I think Tony Robbins and uh, he brought up in a con, like in a, basically at a, at an event. And I think it was just a simple fact of freedom is like uh, freedom of time, location, money, resources, like living life on your terms, you know, and, and it correlates with, you know, our, our, the theme of our podcast is freedom, you know, freedom from, you know, in that sense where you have freedom of time, you know, freedom of resources, location, and also, you also incorporate health too, where you don't have to worry about ailments. So I would say definitely that's the case, the underlying freedom in that sense. Love it, man. And it's just so inspiring to see the journey, right? From diesel mechanic to, epic salesman to a man who overcame such tragedy, right? Continue to go, continue to build skills, continue to build wealth. 
And it seems like every time I see you either on Facebook or talking on the phone, you're texting me, you're traveling to some cool place, whether it be Miami or Texas or some other country. So mm-hmm. it's just cool to see that you're living this, this life. Um, and so, you know, I, I just know it's been not that long, like you said, I mean, 2016, going from, from that life to the life that you live now, like if, if someone, you know, resonates with your story and wants to connect with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, you know what? I, I think Instagram. So you can follow me, the Crystal Rihanna. That's my hashtag. So um, that, that's, that's you guys can follow along for the ride, you know, on Instagram. That's the best way. So we're going to post all your pictures of Dubai and yeah. Yeah. In Miami. steak dinners. Steak dinners, oh, I know. Gibson's, I Gibson's. Steakhouse. I yeah. Gibson's. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, a little game of credit card roulette that uh, somebody named Tim lost. Uh, I think I got a $250 Ooh. bill there. Um, yep. <laughs> yep, it's yep. a write-off, bro. What, what, what does that TikTok video say? That's a write-off? That's a write-off. It is a write-off. That's it right. is, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to write That's it right. off. <laughs> it was. How many right. times have you guys played together and have you lost yet, Matt? Matt is like the reigning champ. He's like, this, I think it's like the Celtics. He's got like all these championships, dude. He's like smoking it. So I I went out on a couple different trips with you guys and hmm. won every single time. Why? I have no clue. And then I go out with another group of guys. It's three, five times more guys, expensive as heck, and lose first, oh. first time. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so despite my 15 or so wins with you guys, I'm still in a deficit. Um, it's not you guys. When that was more expensive. That was yeah. I was about to say, yeah. Chris has more losses, but I get the big losses every time. I think I got Gibson's <laughs> and the, the, the steakhouse we went to with that hedge fund guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had, I think, what, what, when did I get? I got like the pizza place, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, you got a bunch yeah. of the little places like fusion uh, <laughs> places. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. But I also got a speeding ticket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so true. Remember? Yeah. So we were out looking at investment properties, and then of course we made made you the driver, and uh, you know, literally turning the corner. Yeah. <laughs> it was on the way. It was on the way to the purchase appointment. Remember that? It was on the buy yeah. appointment. Yeah. Totally. So. Yep. We were Tim and I were writing down our notes for uh from the investment. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh thanks for taking take taking the loss for us, brother. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> take it for the team. Take yeah. it for the team. Cool. Well, Chris, man, we sincerely thank you for hopping on and being so vulnerable about where you began, the tragedy that you went through, how you leverage that, I think is such power to those that are going through difficult situations. And so like for everybody listening, please, if nothing else, pick one thing that you can take action on or one thought that you can have. Make sure that you plan to implement that in the next seven days. Share it with somebody that you know so they'll hold you accountable and take action so that you can begin to experience a little bit more freedom in your life. Freedom is not that far away for you. Thanks again for tuning in and we look forward to catching you on the next episode.